let me pray briefly over myself, and then we'll get into today's uh, sermon. Father, what a lovely uh, God you are that have, that have provided a lovely time of worship uh, of you this morning. We thank you that you made it possible for us to, to worship, to, to desire and to long for you more even through song. Now we ask that you would continue your work uh, as the word is proclaimed, as the gospel is preached. God, will you please continue to draw us who, again, want really nothing to do with you but by your spirit. We, we delight, we long for you, we need you. So will you please this morning meet us in your word. Guide us. Would you please stir our affections for you, our love for you, deepen that longing for you this morning in your word. Father, if you won't do this, it won't be done. So we ask that you would work in our hearts to do your glorious work in and through us. We ask it in your son's name. Amen. What I do for me, I just want to make an impact by helping people. What I do is not for me. I'm sorry. I just want to make an impact by helping and or serving people. Yesterday, around about 7.30, 8-ish, as I was going to, uh, it used to be my office, uh, White Rhino, uh, to enjoy upon some good coffee and to look over my sermon on yesterday. Uh, now, 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 mind you, I, I don't go there as often, definitely not on a Saturday morning. But this time I was led to go to White Rhino on yesterday to enjoy some good tweed coffee. I pulled out my Bibles and I, and I began to look over my notes on yesterday and I noticed this young man, headphones over his head, just bobbing away. No Bible out, computer, headphones, and a bob. And this young man, he was jamming. The man, I guess... Had uh, he got up from his table and he went to go do something, and I'm I'm looking at him, like man, I'm trying to do I know this dude from somewhere? He looks familiar. So as he was uh, as he was uh, making his way back to his seat, I said, man, I'm sorry, don't I know you? He said, I don't think so. I said, man, are you sure? He said, man, no, no. And somehow, somewhere, we got to talking about what this young man did for a living. And we're going to talking about uh, uh, his love for young kids and how he was a personal trainer at Duncanville High School and he was there only because he wanted to serve the kids. He wanted to show the kids in Duncanville how, how blessed they are. 
that that was his way, that, 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 that though he was getting paid, it was, it was an honor for him to, to show the kids how blessed they were and yet at the same time getting paid for that. He said, man, if I can just catch the kids early and show them how blessed they are, that'd be great. But then he said, man, but that's not my, what is it? He said, man, I'm, I am from Haiti. And I got over here in the U.S. off of a soccer scholarship. I've gotten my undergrad free. I've gotten my master's. And he said, said, man, now I'm hard at work because I want to do all I can over here, stack up my cheese, that is, stack up my cash, put it in my account, and be free to go over and serve those who are underprivileged and underserved in Haiti. But God has made a way for me to be prepared for that over here. As a matter of fact, I'm taking, I'm taking a pay cut, and I'm going to the, I'm going to now to do the same job in the middle school, so I can get the kids at an earlier age. And minister, I'm taking a pay cut, so my cut is being paid, but my passion is still, I want to serve the kids, and right of, and in hope of the one thing that I love, he told me in so many ways, what I want to do is not for me. I simply want to make an impact by serving others. And as he and I began to talk, we started talking about the why of that now. So why are you doing that? Why are you willing to give up cash flow now to go and serve those in Haiti later? And we got to talking about Jesus. Jesus being the why of what we do. Wanting to bring glory to his name. Wanting people in the world to see our good works that they might glorify our Father who is in heaven. The main reason that he wanted to do and and was doing what he was doing was to bring glory to his God, being the hands and feet of Jesus, making an impact, helping come alongside those and advancing their needs and their cause as they, as he, what if Christians had that same mindset? That the reason why God in a sense, saved me, brought me to himself, and left me on earth was to make an impact here on earth. What if we really believe that Christ did all the heavy lifting some 2,000 years ago that we might now be free to serve the world with no strings attached? That what he did then, we are free to serve now. What if what we did was not for ourselves, but it was to God for others? In the real sense, God has created us to do a definite service. It's not that God has 
created and saved us for no reason. Today we'll see that God, he set us free to love those by serving them. In chapter 5, the book of Galatians, it's been called the Magna Carta of uh, Christian freedom. Because it's in this book, it's in the book of Galatians that Paul, he reminds the church at Galatia of the freedom from sin, the freedom from the law, and the freedom from the, men, from, from the doctrine of men. Paul, he equates this freedom in, in the latter part of chapter 4 by saying, by, by reminding them of Hagar, and Sarah, that, 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 that Hagar, was, she was symbolic of slavery or bondage, where Sarah, was, she was symbolic of the freedom that, that God promised to Abraham's seed that would come, and that would eventually be Jesus Christ. So Paul, he contrasts what it is to be free and slave by using these women's as a, these women as a demonstration. Now, Paul, he's going to continue this, this mindset. He, he's going to continue this topic in, in, in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read for your hearings Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. And pray that God would work us through this text on this morning. Uh, in Galatians 5, one, probably one of the most Quoted verses is verse 1. So let me start reading this. It says, for freedom Christ set us free. He says, stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note. I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourselves circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do, uh, to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor un Circumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord you will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, he says, hear me in this. If I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Huh. Look what Paul says in verse 12. I wish those who were disturbing you may also let themselves be mutilated. You were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for your flesh, but serve one 
another through love. Love your neighbor on another self. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. Paul, in these 15 verses, wants to to communicate three things. That because Christ has set us free, number one, live free. Number two, live in the truth of that freedom. And number three, serve others because of that freedom. Number one, Christ has set you free to live free. Verse one, for freedom, Christ has, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Up front, Christ says, let me tell you why Christ set you free for freedom. That the reason why Christ set you free by justifying you, it was for one reason, for freedom. Now, in the the immediate context, he's talking about freedom from the law and its uh, writs, its rituals, uh, the things that came with obeying the law. Now, this is key. That is key to understanding that Paul is saying, listen, man, Christ has set you free from the thing that these rascals are trying to put you uh, back in slavery over. Now, to understand this more fully, let me read for you Acts chapter 15, verse 1, where it says this. Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers. Listen to this. Unless you are circumcised according to the customs prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. So they were preaching, they were proclaiming self-atonement. That it was Jesus plus something you do that makes you saved that you have to do something on top of your belief in Jesus in order to be made right with God. They were saying that that, that really in order for God to justify you, to, to set you free, you have to do something with Jesus in order for that, that truth to be free. And really, in essence, when we say we are justified, According to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it's all of faith and none of us. That's the reason why God the Father can declare us sinners not guilty is not because of what we do or have done. It's because of what Christ has done for us. That then God, that, that then allows God once and for all to declare us righteous of past present and future sins. Now, get this. Now, understand, Paul is saying freedom, freedom from living under the law. Christ has set you free. You don't need 
to do anything for God the Father to declare you right with him because of what Christ has done on your behalf. As a matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 4, not only has God the Father declared you right in the courtroom, according to Galatians 4, he has adopted you as son and daughter and brought you into his living room. He's declared you righteous in a courtroom. But according to chapter 4 of the same book, he has adopted you as son and daughter and says, now come into my bedroom. If you want something even sweeter than that, the Bible calls us his bride. He's declared, he's moved us from the courtroom, freed us into his living room, son and daughter, and now into the bedroom as his bride. And Paul is saying that no one, that nothing you have done has done that. It's because of all of what Christ has done that has caused that. And you, all you have to do is believe it. That Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That that regarding being justified, that is, being declared right, made right, declared not guilty, Paul is saying, all you have to do is believe in what God has done for you. That he has set you free. As a matter of fact, Christ said of himself in John 8.36, so if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. And, and the truth is, not only has he set us free from the law and its ceremonies, he set us free from sin. That he set you free from the penalty of sin by giving his life as a payment for your sin. Now, if, this, if you are not deeply moved to glorify Christ, this raises the question, have you forgotten what you was once enslaved by? Have you so quickly forgotten you, that you had an issue of, I can't help it, that sin had you in bondage and chain, you had no Trust but to be a slave, but Christ and his death set you free from the penalty and the power of sin. And I like how one guy said this, until your sin becomes bitter, Christ will never be better. Until your sin becomes bitter, your Christ will never be the better option. This is why. The gospel is not awesome unless you see how awful you were in your past. We sit here and we mentally talk about the gospel like, man, okay, good. We have this mental ascent of what it is, but until it, 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 it seeps down into your soul that your sin hung him on the cross, 
The song said your sin held them on the cross. And until your sin becomes so bitter, Christ won't become so bitter. And what Paul is saying, man, this, this Christ whom set you free has set you free indeed. And regarding sin, he set you free from condemnation. He set you free from shame and guilt. He set you free from seeking man's approval. He set you free from, from seeking acceptance to, uh, to God. He set you free from trying to pay back God. He set you free for trying to do any good to make you right with God because no good you do can make you good to a holy God. Holy God. Listen. We are in need of becoming what we already are. We are in need of becoming what we already are. That's shorthand of what it means to be sanctified. When it comes to us being justified, that's, 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 that's all of Jesus. Nothing we can add to him that can make that better uh, 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 for us. But now there's this idea of, uh, of us being sanctified. Now, that's when the spirit of God's job and aim is to make us like Jesus. But we are called to humble ourselves by seeing our need for him to do it. That we ourselves can, can never conform to Jesus. It is God in us who gives us the strength and ability to be conformed to Jesus. So even when it comes to us being transformed, it's all of, with God. And God in you making you like God. Not for your glory, but for his. We are called to live out this already made Reality. Christ, for, for freedom, he says, Christ has set us free. Be not, do not submit again to the yoke of bondage. Now, there's going to be people in the world that preach a certain message that try to mess this up. They're going to try to tell you, man, that you got to do something else to make you right with God. Now, now, again, the whole point is this, that you, are, that, you are, that, that you are justified by faith, that you are made right. See, see, circumcision actually represents something being done by man in order to get right with God. Something done by man in order to be right with God. Something done by man to be declared right by God. So they're trying to minister to God. He'll save you with Christ plus. And Paul is saying it's Christ plus nothing. They're saying it's Christ plus something that makes you, that makes you right with God. Let, let me borrow just for a moment uh, 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 this same scripture from the NLT, the New Living Translation, where it says in verse 2, if you are counting on blank, to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. 
if you are counting on your obedience, if you are counting on your devotion time with God, if you are counting on how much you give to God to make you right with God, Paul says, then Christ is of no benefit to you. He says something the same way, but, but he adds a twist to it in verse 4. He says, if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by whatever it is, you have been cut off from Jesus. You have fallen away from grace. Say it again. If you are trying to make yourselves right with God by what? You, you from the blank. Try to fulfill the Ten Commandments. Go ahead. Try that. Try that and tell me where that gets you later on. If, like, if you try, if you say, if I just treat this person right, well, then that will probably make me right with God. Well, how, how long will that last? Well, I'm going to love them like, like I love myself. Try to make yourself right with God. See how much, see how long that lasts. Now, those things are good, but listen, those things are horrible when it comes to you trying to make yourself right with God. We look to one person and one person only for that truth to be realized, and that's Christ and Christ alone. And Paul says that if you're trying to add anything to being justified by God, you've Cut yourself off from grace. That now you are on your own now. If you're trying to do this or that to please a holy God and of yourself, no. Because you have cut yourself out a proof text for once saved, always saved. It's not. Because the Bible is replete with scriptures that says, man, that listen, listen, no one is more powerful than me to take you out of my hands. That you're saved by grace through faith, not of your own works. Listen to me, what got you saved or who got you saved is Jesus. Who keeps you saved is Jesus. Who sustains your salvation is Jesus. Who changes you is Jesus. It's all of Jesus. But he's given us his spirit to help us obey God that we, that we might be conformed to Jesus. God justifies the sinner solely off of the basis of the obedience and death of Jesus. Christ's perfect obedience and full satisfaction for sin are, is the, are the only grounds upon where God says, you are righteous. I like how William Perkins said, he must be a perfect savior or no savior at all. If we would not let Christ do all for us, well, then he can do nothing for us. When it comes to us being justified, it's all of him. And none of us. And when we try to intermingle our works <laughs> with his work, he becomes, Paul says, of no benefit. But what matters is this. 
He says, listen, circumcision does not matter. In verse 6, you see, you'll see him saying that even uncircumcision does not matter. Look what he says, says, in, says in verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. For in Christ Jesus, he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Yeah, this is this is this is this is good. This is good. This is good. Circumcision and uncircumcision were things that man done. In the Old Testament, it, it mattered. But, but, but even they did that by faith. But see, circumcision was a means of pointing everybody to Jesus. They were not to continue doing it. Now what Paul is saying, what really matters now is your faith expressing itself through love. Our faith in Jesus is seen through our love for God and others. Now, hear me on this. Love does not ensure your salvation. Faith in what God has done and Christ does. But love does prove you are saved. It's, 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 it's proof that you've met a loving Savior. It's proof you know and do you know God. How can you know love? How, how can you say you actually believe in the one who is love and then not love? John will call you a lie. So, so, so again, it's, it's proof that you have met the one who is gracious and kind and loving. Love is the manifestation of the life who has been saved by faith alone. It simply reveals who you have trusted in. This love, it refers and it reflects Christ. This love, it responds with a passionate, unwavering, joyous de determination to do and seek the good of others, no matter the cost. And this love, it will bless our soul with eternal happiness. Hear me on this. This love, it reflects and refers to, to Christ. This love, it responds with a passionate, unwavering, joyous determination to do good and meet the need and seek the advantage of others, no matter the cost. This kind of love should bless our souls. Paul said, if somebody came to you all teaching anything, different. Let them be cut off. <laughs> that's, that's a kind way of saying it. Amen. But I love how Eugene Peterson says it. Why don't those agitators, obsessive as they are about circumcision, go all the way and castrate themselves? Don't stop at circumcision. Go ahead and do the whole job. If you're so bent on being circumcised, hey, man, you want to really show how much you love God? Castrate yourself. That's just how serious Paul is saying. If somebody's trying to teach you faith plus something else, 
man, he's wishing that, that they would cut themselves off. In chapter 1, he says that, that if anybody comes preaching a different gospel, I wish they would curse themselves. Because people mingle this gospel. So, 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 so here it is, Pastor so, so you have Christ, he's set you free to live free. He set you free to live in the truth of what Christ has done for you. And then in verse 13, he says this, for you were called to be free. Now, listen to this. He's referring back to chapter, to, to verse 1, chapter 5. Paul has moved from being free from the law now to being free to love. But he's going to now address, well, but you're not free to license. You're not free to, to do whatever you want to do in your flesh. That's Paul's point in 13 eight, For you have been, for you were called to be free, sisters and brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity of the flesh. Paul is saying, listen, I understand he has, he has declared you free in a courtroom. That he has, that, 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 that he said in the courtroom that no past, present, or, uh, uh, or future saints. If you are a son and daughter of God in Christ, God the Father would never say guilty. Now, that should, that should not give you reason to live any kind of way. If you really experience God's love, shouldn't you desire to please God? Shouldn't you desire Christ says that if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. So he's not giving you a license to sin. No, 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 no. He's giving you a, a license to love. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. He says this, you're free in Christ. God has freed you from the law, but he, but he still called you to, to be a slave to each other. It's a paradox. One guy says, it is a remarkable paradox for for, for from one point of view, Christian freedom is a form of slavery. Not slavery to our flesh, but to our neighbor, community, and church. We are free in relation to God, but slave in relation to each other. What is the job for slave? To serve the other. Christ, Paul is painting him with a broad brush. If you doubt your calling, Paul says, man, God has set you free, yes, to live in freedom, but he's also set you free to serve the person next to you. Literally to be their slave. Paul's summation of the Christian life is that we are called, saved by God, to love by serving. And we know that Christ himself has set the pace. Why does Paul bring in love with serving? 
Because Paul understands, like God, that God is not simply concerned about the action and not your heart. He's not simply concerned about your emotion and not your motivation. Let me say this. That if you serve others without love, that matters none to God. If your means of serving the next person is not because you love God and you love them, stop serving. Stop serving. If what Christ did for you on the cross does not move you to serve, listen, listen, the greatest act of service is the cross. At the cross, we, we, we see love and service. For who? For himself? No. Why did Christ die on the cross? Why did, whose sin had him there? Why did he go there so willingly? Well, for him, he was all good already. He is God. God was good. God is good. He didn't go for him. Who did Christ go to the cross for? Us. The greatest act of service is at the cross. And as we continue to serve, if we are not moved by the cross to serve, the I'm saying don't serve at all. Because if God simply wanted the work done, he could have sent his angels to do it. And I promise you, they would have did a better job than you did. If he's simply concerned about the act, he wouldn't call you. Because God wants to do something through you, but more so in you. This is why serving sometimes can be so difficult. He brings what is called hedgehogs in our lives. Hedgehogs, porcupines. People who are difficult, unthankful, ungrateful, and needy. He brings these kind of people in your lives to, for you to remember what you are with him. You are difficult. You are ungrateful. You are needy. And you are also unthankful. But yet, when folk don't thank us, we don't serve them anymore. When things become so hard, oh, I'm out now. I'm out. I'm out. God says, see, see I'm trying to get my love through you. If you don't love them, you, you won't do it. If my love for you don't move you to serve them, you won't do it. Because you're so entitled. You only serve for your own convenience. It's all about you. Your time and your schedule and your watch and your money and your gifts. Look to the cross. Look to it. Was I comfortable? Was it convenient for me to say, my own father turned his back on me to let you in? And you won't serve. Because it, it damages your schedule, your TV show, your set time for dinner. How often do we inconvenience God? 
We think we do, but we don't. Why? Because he loves you. You are never an inconvenience to God. Because how needy you are. You, know, you, you can't inconvenience him. So all that God is saying, listen, 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 the whole law, when you love like this, you fulfill the whole law. When you love like this, you pray for each other. When you love like this, you forgive, you enjoy, you encourage, you meet the needs of, you count others more important than yourselves. But when you don't do this, you devour, you consume, you destroy by not praying for each other, not forgiving, not encouraging, not enjoying, not meeting the needs of others, not counting others more important than yourselves, the complete opposite of what I did for you. You were so important to me that I left heaven. I left the perfect unity of the Father and the Spirit. I left. I left heaven's glory for you. I put on flesh for you. But to feel what you feel and see what you see. But I lived a perfect life to help you when you can't do it. That's why we look to him for help and no one else in our sin. Because he lived a sinless life. And yet he died a horrendous death. Why? For who? And we can't love? We can't serve anybody because it's just so inconvenient. Simply want to make an impact in this world. And I'm just saying, let the love of God move you and motivate you to serve others. Stop being selfish. Stop, make, stop making serving about you. Because it's not. And let me release you now, and y'all, I mean this. And nobody does this in a way that's perfect. But if you don't repent when you know you're serving not out of love, something is wrong. So when you see that you are serving, but you're not living, here is the guilt. Repent. <laughs> Turn to God. Say, God, I'm sorry. Now give me your heart and mind and your strength as I, as I continue to serve in a way that brings glory to you and not to me. That's all I'm saying. And y'all, I got one last thing and I'm done. We tend to serve only people we like. Or people like us. We got commonalities. We, 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 I'll serve you if you and I are on the same, same mindset. The one who betrayed him. His enemy. Who can't you serve? 
when moved by the love of God, the power of his spirit. I'm just saying, we want to make an impact. And God has left us to serve him. But we don't serve a God who already has it all. We can't serve. We can't add to God. We can't advance God. So God says, you advance me. You serve me by serving others with love. Unconditional, passionate, determined joy for the good and need of the other. That's why we serve. We serve because we've been served. For the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are our victory, that you that you have set us free to, to love. And in loving, we fulfill the whole law. In loving, we, are, we, we will not devour, bite, or consume. In loving God, we will fulfill the whole law, the Bible says. And here's the truth, God, that when we fail to love, when we fail to be moved by love, when we fail, when we fail to, uh, 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 to love without serving people, I wonder, do we really understand what you did for us on the cross? Because the cross, we see the greatest act of service. We see the greatest act of love. That you did what you did because you loved us. The power of your spirit moved us. We're so grateful. So will you now and the power of your spirit move us? Help us to empty ourselves as Christ emptied himself. Help us not to think more highly of ourselves than we should, but to humble ourselves under the mighty hand. Help us, those sons and daughters of yours, to be slaves to everyone else in love. I ask you in your son's name.